we begin. Uh, Lord God, as we look to your word to answer the question, what is the gospel? I pray you would indeed speak to us through your word. As we see who you are, God, we ask that you would, that we would see you clearly, that we would understand who you are and what you have done, that we would see you are worthy of worship. Lord, I pray you would clear distractions from our minds, and God, that we would worship you in this time. God, convict our hearts, teach us, uh, and may you be glorified, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Uh, last week I told you guys a little bit about my Spanish. Um, thank you. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my Spanish. Um, I apologize, Melanie. I'm sorry. I know. Uh, but I'll uh, tell you this. I, I took some Spanish classes, okay? But you're going to understand why I thank you, Josiah, Why I failed miserably last week. Um, at the time I was going, I was in eighth grade, uh, such as some of you. And I, at the time the school I was going to was a kindergarten through 12th grade, all on the same campus. Uh, and so being an 8th grader, somehow I had the opportunity. I don't know. I, I don't know how it happened. I was the only 8th grader that did this. But I was able to take a high school class. Again, it's all on the same campus. I was able to take Spanish 1 with the freshmen there on campus. And I thought, this is great. It, instead of, it was like the elective period. So instead of doing like the library Dewey Decimal System or something all year, uh, I got to knock out a high school credit uh, with Spanish 1. So I was like, sweet, I'll learn some Spanish. Uh, So when I get to high school, I can jump into Spanish 2, no problem. So I go into my Spanish 1 class, and I believe this was uh, this poor teacher's first and probably last time ever teaching a class ever. Uh, Without getting to all the specifics, I mean, it was the worst what am I th- I'm looking at you guys, and you're thinking, I don't even know what a class is. <laughs> I apologize. But basically, you know what a class is? Okay. Um, th- there's a teacher and a lot of other people in it, okay? And the classroom management, again, you wouldn't understand, but the classroom management was so, so just horrible, poor. It was non-existent. Uh, we literally... All class, I mean, people are crawling on the ground, we're screaming, we're throwing things. You're saying yes. Contra Costa Christian. Yes. Oh, you get that. Okay, so you understand, right? So so this is what happened. And literally, I mean, we did not learn a thing of Spanish, not a word. Hence me thinking Bear was Berolito, right? So we didn't we didn't learn anything. I mean, she was crying, the teacher was crying almost every class period. I mean, it, it was horrible, absolutely horrible. I don't even know how we got graded. Everyone passed somehow. Uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't remember doing a single thing in that class, but I remember passing. And then I graduate junior high. I go to high school. I go to a different school for high school. And I go into high school and I show, look, I have credits for Spanish 1. So therefore, as a freshman, I should be in Spanish 2. Great. So I go into, I remember the very first day of school, Spanish 2. Walk in, the teachers welcome us in. We all take our seats. He closed the door, and he just goes, that's my Spanish. I don't know. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, we're supposed to understand what he's saying. And he just starts talking in Spanish. Everyone's like, oh, si, senor. And I'm like, no hablo espanol, right? And so literally, 
I, I was completely lost. I had no idea what was happening, no idea what, we, what he was saying. But of course I was supposed to because I was supposed to have had this foundation of Spanish 1. I was supposed to have this understanding, some kind of a knowledge of Spanish 1. So when I go into Spanish 2, I know what's happening. I did not fail the class somehow. I don't know how I keep getting away with passing these classes. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was the worst grade I've ever had in my academic career was, was in Spanish 2. It, it was the hardest class uh, that I, I ever did take. Uh, but the point is – why did I not succeed? Why did I not understand what was going on? Uh, because I, I had, as I said, no foundational work laid for me. I was supposed to in Spanish 1, but it was not laid. It was just nothing. So when I get to Spanish 2, I was in trouble. In a similar way, if we want to understand the gospel correctly, we have to have a firm foundation. And that foundation must be understanding who God is. And we talk about God a lot. If you've been here at TYG, hopefully we've talked about God. Hopefully you've heard the name God before. But that doesn't mean that you know who he is. It doesn't mean that you know what his character is. It doesn't mean that you know what he's done. It doesn't mean that you know much about God. My fear is that many people have an incomplete uh, or even an inaccurate view of God. In fact, I think many people have a very, very small view of God, way smaller than it should be. And as a result, they, they don't understand the gospel. As a result, they do not worship him as they should. They don't live for him as they should because they don't know who this God is. What are your thoughts about God? Maybe write it down. What are your thoughts about God? How do you view God? What do you know about God? When you hear the word God, what do you think of? You think of just like this giant man because he's got the whole world in his hands. And so oh, some big hands. He must be a giant. You think of like just some spirit in the sky. Do you think of a loving guy who wants to give you everything you want? Do you think of an angry guy who keeps you from giving you what you want? An angry guy who doesn't let you do the things that you want to do? What do you think of? What do you think of when you hear the word God? See, your view of God affects your entire view of the gospel. Your view of God is crucial to your understanding of the gospel. In order for you to understand correctly the gospel, you need to have an accurate and a biblical view on who God is. And there's so much that we can say about God. In fact, we, we, we could spend a whole series on, on who God is, right? I mean, that, that obviously, that's vast. Uh, and so I'll say this. If you are looking uh, to go deeper in your studies of who God is, uh, I would gladly direct you to some resources uh, one might be Knowing God by J.I. Packer. That's a great one. Another one might be The Attributes of God uh, by A.W. Pink. And I can give you more if you're interested. Come, come see me afterwards. But for tonight, in order for us to lay the foundation of understanding the gospel, I believe it's crucial that we understand at least these three, three things about God. One, that he is creator. Two, that he is holy. And three, that he is just. 
And so tonight, that's what we're going to look at as we're looking at who God is, that he is creator, that he is holy, and that he is just. All right? So let's jump in. First, God is creator. The first thing we see is that God is the creator of all. God is the creator of all. He's the creator of all. We have to start here. We must start here that God is the creator of all. If, if we are going to lay our foundation correctly, we're going to lay our foundation correctly in the gospel, we must start by understanding that God is the creator of all. If you get this wrong, you'll get everything else wrong. It, it is a domino effect uh, from here on out. It affects so much of your theology from this point on. It's like setting your degrees off, right? That if you – you guys know what degrees are? You know, like 90 degrees? You know what 90 degrees is, right? right? 180? Okay, right? So you know like a compass, right? Not a compass. What, what, what? Protractor. Thank you. Uh. Oh, they have on those too? Technology. So good. So, whatever tool you use, you understand, like making degrees, right? And, and, and at the very beginning, right, if you're just one degree off, what's going to happen is you continue to go further and further. What? By the time you get way out here, look how far you are. Is my math right, guys? Is that, right? is that how it works? Okay, I thought so, right? And so we have to make sure that we are in line right away, right from the beginning. And this starts with understanding and believing and knowing that God is the creator of all. It is crucial for us to understand that because everything else builds from this. All right? We're going to come back and look at this. Why it points back to this. We know this. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells. Remember last week we said the Bible is our authority. We have to agree on that. If we do not agree on our authority, everything else we, we, we will disagree on. We have to agree. And the Bible says God is the creator of all. It says in Genesis 1, starting with Genesis 1, tells us how he created everything. He says that the first day, God created lights. And then the second day, God created the sky. And the third day, God created dry land and the seas and plants and trees. The fourth day, God created the sun and the moon and the stars. The fifth day, God created the creatures in the sea and the creatures in the sky. And then the sixth day, he created creatures on land, and he made man his own image. And seventh day, God rested. See, God is the creator of all, and he is the author, and he is the creator. Now, all three persons of the Trinity, part of creation, the creator. That's what I mean by part of the creation, as in they were the creator of creation. Do you believe that God is the creator of all? Do you believe that? It's important for you to answer that for yourself right now. Because like I said, from here on out, everything's going to point back to that. Do you believe God is the creator of all? Do you believe that it came from his hand? Do you believe that it came from his power? That he is the one who has created everything? Because the world will tell you this is all an accident. The world will tell you that you are an accident. That all this happened by chance. This big explosion, this big bang, and poof, we were created. And that is not reality. The reality is that God is the creator of all. The one and only creator. And this is crucial foundation for the rest of the gospel. 
Not only did God create everything, but he has also blessed us. Blessed us by showing us a glimpse of his glory in creation. Psalm 19.1 says the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1.20 says the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Right? It says that we can look at creation and see the glory of God. We can see there is a God. And when you look at creation around you, don't just view it as something that's randomly there. Oh, wow, yeah, that tree, that's nice. That's randomly there. It's nice how all those cells got together and made that. See God's creativity. See God's power. See God's glory. Think of the most beautiful place that you've ever been to in your life. I don't know where it's been. How many of you guys have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Wow, I have never been. I've heard it's beautiful. And it's hot. I'm sure. I've heard it. How many of you guys have been to Yosemite? Yeah, more good. Yeah, it's more local. You haven't? Oh my gosh. Shameful. Go. You get summer off. Go, just go. Yosemite. It's beautiful. How many of you guys have been to Hawaii? Look at all these kids more than you. You have the whole summer off. Anyways. So you guys been to Hawaii, right? Did you see the sunsets or the sunrise? You can see both in one day. Over the water. How many of you guys have seen like a lightning storm or seen lightning in the sky? Yeah. Or how many of you guys have felt an earthquake? Bay Area, baby, right? Yeah. Right, guys, these things, they point to God. When you see lightning strike, don't just be like, whoa, light. It points to God. When the earth shakes, it points to God. When you see the sunset, when you see the, the rocks, the mountains in Yosemite, when you see... When we were at winter camp and it was snowing, right? That was amazing. I just watched that winter camp video again. I was like, man, that was so cool. It points to God. Don't just overlook it. Don't just dismiss it. See his power. See his creativity. See his creation. See how magnificent God is in creating all of this. He is the creator of all. And being the creator of all, that means that he has created us. And he has created us with a purpose. He's created us with a specific purpose. And then look into that, we're going to see next that God is the owner of all. God is not just the creator of all, but being the creator of all, God is also the owner of all. You see, we are not the result of random chance. We, we were created specifically by God and for God. You guys ever just, have you ever gone out away from the city lights and just have stared into the stars and, and like think about what is out there? Have you guys ever done that? Actually, I, I, I've done that at, at Ulta. I remember going up. Did anyone go up to the top where the volleyball court is? Is that still there? I haven't been there in years. Like you go up like where the main worship center is and you go past it, past the guy's cabin, up the hill. Yeah, case up there. The volleyball up there too? I used to go up there when I was a student. I used to go up there at, at night and just at stare at the stars. You can really see it out there. You Just go out there and see all that, that, that he has made. Well, that's not all that he has made. But see, like it, it should make you feel small. 
It should make you feel small that here we are on earth in California, in the Bay Area, and here we are wherever we are looking at all the universe. Again, not all the universe. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I don't even know how true this is, but I looked it up on Google, so it must be true. That the furthest star is supposedly 20, that we know of, is 28 billion light years away. Billion light years away. That means that star that's that far, and I think this is right, but correct me, scientists, if I'm wrong. That, that means that it will take 28 billion years for that light to, for us to see that light. Is that correct? Like, right, right. Like, like that's how far it. That, it takes. It takes that long for that light to travel to our eyes. It takes that long for that light to travel. Like light travels pretty fast, right? Like boom. Like you turn the light, you see it. Like light travels fast. But it travels, even how fast it travels, that star is so far. It takes 28 billion years to travel to meet our eyes, right? Like that's how far it is. That's how far. That's how big the universe is. And I bet it's even bigger than that, that we don't even know. Like, this should make us feel small. The universe is huge. And even what we know about creation is so small. Think about what we don't know in the universe. The universe must be even bigger, and yet God is even bigger than that. See, we, we, we have to have a proper view on God. Like, he made this vast universe. He holds this vast universe in his hands. He, he, he is huge. He, he is not like us. He, he is he's not even completely comprehensible, right? We, we're saying indescribable. That's just true about God. Our finite minds, we, we could not contain the awesomeness of who God is. Like he's that awesome that our minds can't even comprehend how awesome he is. And we try to. We try to explain it. We try to understand him. And so how do we explain and understand God? We put him in a tiny little box that we can so that we can take little nibbles at it and be like, yeah, I understand this about God. And I understand this about God. But all we're doing is taking nibbles of what we tried to jam into a tiny box. But he's even grander than that. He's even mightier than that. He's even more awesome than that. That's who this God is. And yet, we still try to question God at times. Yet we still try to challenge God at times. We still try to deny God at times. We still try to say that we know better than God at times. He is bigger and he is greater than we can even comprehend. And this God that we're talking about, he created you and I. That we were specifically created by God. None of you are an accident. None of you are by chance. But every single one of us is the result of an idea and a plan and an action of God himself. While God is so big as we're describing, he still specifically thought of you and created you. Creation was no accident and neither were you. God has purposed for you. You specifically to be alive. And he has a specific 
purpose and goal for your life. And what is it? What is God's purpose for you? I don't know what it is individually. Maybe it's to be a firefighter or an astronaut or 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 a chef. I don't know. But but I don't know specifically. But I know universal universally, his purpose and his goal for you is to glorify him. I know that for every single one of us in this room. Doesn't matter if you are a firefighter or an astronaut or a chef or or no or you have no job or you do nothing. I don't know. You play video games all day. I don't know what his individual plan is, but I know this for every single one of us. His his plan, his goal for us, for you, is to glorify God with your life. And God, being the creator of all and being the creator of you, has the authority. He has the right to tell you what you were created for. He's the creator. He's the one who made you. We're the creation. He's the one with the authority. And God has specifically designed you to glorify him with your life. Are you doing that? Are you doing that with your life? Are you fulfilling God's will and purpose for your life, which is to glorify him, the creator? Or are you still living in rebellion? Towards God, saying to the Creator, I, I, I will not do what you created me to do. God, you have created me specifically with the purpose to glorify you with my life. But you know what? I'm the creation. I'm telling you, Creator, nope, I am not going to listen to you. I am not going to do what you created me for. We want an autonomous life. We want to be our own king. We want to be our own creator and live according to our own will. But the reality is we are not the Creator. God is. And we saw that. We, 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 agreed, we agreed to that earlier, did we not? At the very beginning we said, do, do we understand, do we agree that God is the creator of all? And most of us, hopefully, maybe in our minds we wrote down and said, yes, I agree, yeah, yeah. God's the creator of all. That was the foundation that we laid, right? And what is the implication of that truth that he's the creator of all? That means that he is our authority. That means that he is our owner. That means that we must submit to him and live in accordance to his will and how he created us to live. I remember my very last day, my very last class, my very last second of my last college class. It was a night class. It ended at 10 p.m. And I remember thinking, this is it. It all came down to this. I remember thinking, at that time, county kindergarten, 17 years. Is that right, math? Okay. I'm so glad I have mathematicians in this room. 17 years. I thought, I've put 17 years. I've been in shackles for 17 years. And guess what? The professor said, we're done. That's it. And me and my classes, we took pictures. of. Yeah, look, we finished. We finished school, we graduated college, we're done, we are free. And then I realized in eight hours I have to wake up and go to work. And then the rest of my life is just work every day. And now I'm back in school. Dang it, Kay, I am. You see, I thought I was free. I wasn't free. I had work the next day. And I had seminary 10 years later. Thank you. We like to think of ourselves as free, right? Like, yeah, I'm free. I'm out of college. 
We're, we're Americans, right? We're free. Yeah. No. We, we, we live in such an individualistic society that, that we think, oh, we think we're independent. And we think that our life is ours. That all I need is me. It's my life. I'm free. That is so wrong. Your life is not yours. It belongs to the creator. Where do we get this idea? It's my life. Bon Jovi? It's now or never. God is the owner. God is the creator. We have no right to go against him. He is the ultimate authority. Not us. And because of this, God has the right to tell us how to live. He's the one who can tell us how we ought to live. And the world has a real problem with this. They don't want anyone telling them how to live their lives, let alone God. But we must rid ourselves of self-glorification, of believing the lie that we are in charge of our life. Well, it's my right to do what I want. You have no rights. As long as you keep believing that you have a right to something, you will not see the beauty of God's grace. You will not see the beauty of the gospel. You must start viewing yourself for who you truly are. You are creation made to worship God. That's who we are. So we see that God is creator. Next, we see that God is holy. He's not just creator, but he's holy. First, what we see in God is holy is that God is holy and so far above us. He's holy and so far above us. What does holy mean? Someone raise your hand. What does holy mean that I'd like to share? Go ahead. Um, like high above or special. Okay, good. High above, special, very good. What else? Set apart. Yeah, set apart. Set apart. Anything else? It's all perfect. Perfect would be an aspect of it, yeah. Righteous. Righteous, yeah. That'd be an aspect of all of this. You know what? Yeah. Pure. Pure, yeah. Uh-huh. Definition, God. Yeah, okay, right, exactly. He's the one who's holy, yeah. Revered, yeah, certainly, right? All this are aspects of being holy. I would say, in the way Amorite said set apart is a good way to, for it to be defined, because all this uh, falls into being set apart. Being righteous, being revered, be, being perfect, all, you know, all this is set apart, because no one else are these things, right? And so being holy means to be set apart, and these are all aspects of it. And so that's what God is. God being holy is set apart. He is set apart from us. See, we, we, we think of God a lot of times just like us. And we are made in his image, and yet he, he is holy. He is so far above us. We, we, we must not have such a low view of God. You know, I, I think I shared this with you a while back. I did a short series on prayer. I think I shared this in, when, during that series. So you may remember this. But when I was, in college, when I was at DBC, community college, um, I was, I was doing a, a Christian club, and we had all kinds of people come in. I remember that this one girl, she'd come in, and, and every time that she would pray, she, she, she would start for prayer kind of like this. What's up, homie G? What's up, God? How's it cracking up there? Yeah, you know, it's chill down here. What's up with that heaven, man? And she'd just be talking to him, and, and she'd literally, like, she's just, like, talking to her phone on the friend like no big deal. And I, 
she's saying like, yeah, you know, he, he's my friend and all this stuff. And, and that's true. But my question to her was, where's, where's the reverence? Where's the respect that you were approaching a holy God? And you're treating him like, like he's a nobody. Some people think that, that when they get to heaven, they're just going to run up to God, give him a high five and say, what's up, my dude? Ah, so good to see you. I don't think so. I don't think that's how it's going to be. I think we're going to fall on our faces in worship. Almost like that song, uh, I can only imagine, right? Like, I don't know, like, am I going to sing hallelujah? Am I not going to be able to speak at all? Am I going to dance? Am I just going to, like, fall flat on my face? Like, uh, I think so. In Revelation, the Apostle John talks about when he sees Jesus in his glorified state. Remember, John was, was Jesus' best friend. And he, he was with Jesus just about every day for three years. He knew him very well. But then Jesus appears to John in a vision in his glorified state. Does John say, What's up, buddy, man? It's been a while. How's it going? No. It says John says that he fell down like a dead man. Like he was in fear of Jesus, who he knew. But seeing Jesus' glorified state, he falls down, drops down like a dead man. I think that's what it is. You see, he, 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 God is so far above us. Do you view God in this way? This holy? Is your view of God small? I can assure you this. You, you cannot have too grand of a view of God. However great you may view God, it's not great enough. He is greater than what you think is greatest. He's greater than our minds can comprehend. He is holy. There is nothing holier than him. God is God. He is the one and only God. And this God deserves our worship. Because he is greater than anyone or anything. And so he deserves our entire worship. Which brings us to our next point. Under that God is holy. God is greater than anyone or anything. That he is so much better than us. That he is so much better than anything or anyone. And yet, even though God is holy, even though God is far greater, not even close to everyone, to everything, yet we still worship idols instead, do we not? Instead of worshiping God. Even so, we still devote our lives. We, 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 we consume our minds. We, we, we are willing to, to sin for other things. Because we worship those other things instead of worshiping God. And we challenge God as if our way is better. And we act as if we are better. As if we know better than God. As if our will is better than His will. And so we turn our back towards God in rebellion as if He is not worthy of our lives. This is what we do, the creation, to the Creator. This God who is so holy, this God who is so much greater than all this universe, this, who created that universe. And here we are on planet Earth, one little planet in one little galaxy called the Milky Way. And we look to God and say, no thank you, God. I turn my back to you. I rebel against you. I sin against you. That's what we say to God. What is your view of God? Do you believe that he is the greatest? 
Do you believe that no one and nothing is greater than he? Do you believe that? If you say yes, then I follow up by saying, does your life reveal that? You may say, yeah, of course I believe God is the greatest. No one's better than God. Does your life reflect that? Or does your life reflect that you believe something or someone else is better than God? Because you are devoted to this other thing. Because you worship this other thing. Because you are consumed by this other thing. Because you are willing to sin for this other thing. And you pay lip service to God by saying, yeah, God, you're, you're greater than everything. But your life says otherwise. God is creator. God is holy. And lastly, God is just. Two points here. First, God will not overlook, ignore, or tolerate sin. God will not overlook, ignore, or tolerate sin. God hates sin. God hates sin. He is perfect, and sin goes completely against him. But you know what? You hate sin too. Do you not? Don't act surprised that God would hate sin. You hate sin. At least I hope you do. Maybe you hate the sin that resides inside you. I hope you do. I know you hate this. You hate when others sin against you. Mommy, Jimmy just stole my laptop. Or whatever. (laughs) You hate that. Maybe you hate hearing of when people have sinned against others. You you hear in the news or wherever, and you see the sin in the world. You say, oh, I hate that. You should. You hate sin. And guess what? You're a sinner. Like you're a sinner and you still hate sin. Imagine how God must hate sin. He's perfect. He's sinless. He is not a sinner. Sin is a serious offense against God. It goes completely against his character. It goes completely against what he has said. And it goes completely against his purpose for creation. Of course he hates it. It is the opposite of what we were made to do. We were made to worship him. Because he is righteously just, he is not going to let people get away with sin. You must understand that. That sin must be dealt with, and God deals with it. He does not let sin just get pushed under the rug and pretend like it's not there. But he deals with it. And praise God that he does. It is so good that God deals with sin. It means that he's just. It means that he's more powerful than sin. Because nothing is greater than him. Not even sin. It's not like he says, ooh, yeah, that sin is bad, but I just can't, I can't handle it. I can't deal with it. No, he truly is God. And he truly is greater than all. Isn't that awesome that he's even greater than sin? Aren't you thankful for who God is? That he's just? Are you thankful that God The creator of all is a just God who has the power and the authority to deal with sin. You see, because in having the power and authority over sin, and in being the one who, who we have sinned against, he has the power and the authority to forgive us of our sins. Has God forgiven you of your sins? Has he forgiven you of your sins? Have you placed your faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ? And have you repented of your sins, receiving the forgiveness of sins? Has he forgiven you of your sins? 
Well, the last thing we see is that God does not leave the guilty unpunished. This is going to lead us into next week, which is the bad news. You really do need to come back the next couple weeks. Or uh, I'm telling you, we have to have a complete uh, understanding of the gospel. So if you miss a week, uh, oof, you can listen to it online. But God does not leave the guilty unpunished. We're going to look at this more next week. Guys, there's, there's a lot of evil in the world. You guys know that. We've, you've seen sin. You've been affected by sin. You see, you hear of the evils of the world. And it is because of sin. The evil in this world. And it's a horrible, horrible thing. And maybe you've been hurt by the sins of the world. Maybe you've been hurt by others and their sin. You say, look, I didn't even... In this instance, sin, and yet someone else's sin has hurt me. We can rest assured that all sin will be dealt with. That all sin will be accounted for. That all sin will find its justice. Even if it's not dealt with here on earth, we can be assured that God will deal with every single sin. There's justice. All sin will find us justice. And we like this. We like justice. We want there to be justice, right? You see something bad, you want justice. You see that someone did something horrible, and then a judge puts down you know, a verdict and says, okay, you're going to prison. You're like, good, yeah, they should go to prison. And yes, there should be justice. And the good news is God is just, that he will bring justice. This is promised. This is good. That evil will be accounted for. But the bad news is we are the evil person. We are the one who is evil. And the bad news is that God is just with us too. See, no one wants a God who overlooks sin. Of course not. Nobody wants a God who doesn't deal with evil, who isn't just. We would say, oh, that's a weak God. That's not a just God. We don't want that. We want God to be just. But sometimes people have a problem with God, or they, they want a God who overlooks their sin. They, they want a God who is just with other people's sin. But when it comes to their own sin, they say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 I don't want you to be just in my sin. But God is completely just. And that is a beautiful aspect of his character. But it can also be scary. Because if you are not found in Christ, which we're going to look at in two weeks, then God will deal with your sins severely. But rightly. He will deal with your sin one way or the other. And again, we're going to look at this in a couple weeks. But your sin must be dealt with. And it will either be dealt with by, or has been dealt with by Christ on the cross or will be dealt with by yourself in the lake of fire for all of eternity. Your sins must be dealt with. And if you are found in Christ, then Christ on the cross, he bore the wrath that you deserve. He took on the punishment for your sin. He absorbed that. And so your sin was not pushed under the rug, but God was just in crushing his son on your behalf to pay for your sins. And so either your sin was dealt with on the cross by Christ, or if you are not found in Christ and you said, you know what, I, I, no, I, I will not submit my life to Christ and I am on my own, then you will deal with your sins on your own. You will stand in the courtroom of God Christ will not be your defense. And 
all he will say is, yeah, I, I have, like, I have these good works. I have this church attendance. And God will say, guilty of all of your sins. And you will be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. And justice will be served as you will pay for your sins. All of our sins will be dealt with. God is a just God. And it is good and it is right that he is just. And we're going to look at that more next week. On who we are as humans and what our sin is against God and what the consequence of that sin is. And then the week after that, we will see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Do you see what, what we're building here? Especially for those who were here last week, right? Last week we looked at God's word is the authority. That what his word says is true. And this is what God's word says about God. That he is creator. That he is holy. That he is just. And so we said, we must trust the authority of God's word. And if this is what the authority of God's word says, then we have to submit to what his word says. And then what do we see tonight? We see that with God. God is the boss. Right? He's the boss. You're, you're not the boss. And your parents, ultimately, aren't the ultimate boss. They're, they're the boss of you. So you need to listen to that. But they even submit to God. Your friends are not the boss. right? God is the boss. And so what he says goes. Period. No questions. We, we, we cannot argue with God. His will for your life, whether it be in the sunny days, the great days, or whether it be in the rainy days and the hard days, his will for your life, whatever that may be, his purpose for your life, his, his requirements for your life, all of it, all of that belongs to him. And we are to submit to him. Always. And God is not just the boss. Like, oh yeah, like he, or he's like, he's a boss. But he is, he's the boss of everyone. right? Like he's in charge of everyone. He's not just the boss for Christians. Like He's not just in charge of Christians. He, he's the boss of the universe, of every single person. Whether you believe in him or not, he is your boss. He is your authority. He is in charge. You may not worship him. You may reject him. But you are accountable to him. See, some people don't want to be a Christian because they don't want to be bound to God and his commands. And they say, well, those Christians, they never have fun. I'm sorry. I feel sorry for you, Christian, because you, yeah, you can't swear and you can't, you can't drink and smoke and do these things or whatever. Right? You can't do these things. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to be bound by those rules. I don't want Christianity. Whether you're a Christian or not, God is still God. And he's still the boss of you. And he's still your authority. And he's still in control of your eternal life or your eternal death, whether you believe in him or not. People think, if I avoid Christianity, I avoid God. So I'm good. No. All you avoid is the grace of God and the love of God. You will not avoid God's justice. And you will not avoid God's wrath. And I would much rather be on his side than against him. Wouldn't you? Remember this holy God that we talked about. In your rebellion and your rejection of him, you were saying you 
want to go toe-to-toe against this God. And you and your pride think that you will win. And you will be crushed. Now, if you're a Christian, you may say, well, how does something like this apply to me? I'm a Christian. I believe in this God. How does this apply? Let me end with three, three ways this applies to you. One, remember that you belong to God and that you are accountable to God. Even the Christian, you belong to God and you are accountable to God. That everything you do, everything you say, your entire life, it belongs to God. It is not your own, but it is His. You belong to Him. You belong to God and you are accountable to how you live your life for Him. Christian, in how you spend your time, how you spend your relaxation, how you spend your school time, how you spend your your entertainment, how you talk to people, how your attitudes are towards people, everything is for him. Do you live your life as if it belongs to him, Christian? Do you? Or do you live your life as, as if it's your own and God is just part of it? You see the difference? Do you live your life as you will, and God is part of it? God's coming in along for the ride. No. God, it must be all towards God, for God, about God. <laughs> Secondly, this great and amazing and, and huge and transcendent God, bigger than the universe, loves you. Yeah, let, let that sink in a bit. This huge transcendent God. Christian, he loves you. We've seen how far above God is from us, right? We see that and don't lose sight of that. It's true. It's even more true than we realize how big he is. And yet this God loves you. Isn't that incredible? Like who are we but dust? And yet God has a special and specific love for you. And he chose you before the foundations of the world. And he loves you perfectly. And he will always love you from before eternity and through eternity and never ending. Are you moved by the love of God for you? Are you astonished that God would love you? Thirdly, Christian, know that your God is the best. That there is none better. That there is none stronger. And this is whom you worship. Everyone worships someone and something. And if you aren't worshiping God, you are not worshiping the best. But God is the best. Isn't it great to know that you are worshiping and you have given your life to the best? That your life it is spent towards giving your all to the best. Not just to, to something that's going to burn. Not just something that's, that's going to be forgotten. But there's no better way to spend your life than to spend it living for God. No one else deserves your worship. So Christian, do not let idols overtake your life. Don't let idols overtake your life. Don't let other people, don't let those relationships, don't let other things in your school grades or or money or having fun or whatever it might be, don't let these other things become an idol. They are not worthy of your worship. They are not worth your life. God is the best. 
And He is worth it. And if you are not a Christian, if you are here and you are not a Christian, if you are not worshiping God, if you have not given your life to Him, know that you can. Know that you can. That while He is way, way up here and so far above us, He is also personal and caring. And He offers a relationship to you. The Bible says to repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness and ask that that God will personally be king over your life. Give your life to Him and begin worshiping the one true God. As we did last week, I want to do again tonight. End our time in silent prayer. And if you are a Christian, use this time to worship Him and give Him praise for who He is and thanks that He would love you, even this holy and just God would love you. If you are not a Christian, bring this to the Lord. Ask that He would grant you faith to believe and repentance of your sins. There will be a couple minutes of silent prayer and I'll close us in prayer.